he would try to be funny all the time. And it was like, ugh, I don't know what happened, but it shifted where it actually became kind of endearing that he would try to make us laugh so much. We just started to love him. There is oh something gosh. about that repetitive, repetitive nature of something yeah. that starts to make it funny, even though originally it wasn't. And I think that's what was yeah. going on with that guy. And he grew on us. <laughs> I'll give you another example of this comedically. You remember that episode of Seinfeld? Costanza. (laughs) Where George just initially, Uh women can't stand him, but then something happens where they're like, I can't get that jingle out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. That (laughs) is so true. So if you're annoying, keep at it. That's Courtney's (laughs) advice. Episode 66, Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. I'm not going to be here for episode 67, so I'd better make this one count, Courtney. Yeah, you better. And I can't believe we're already up to that. 66. I know, huh? It's crazy. Wow. How the time flies by. As you say, Courtney, the days are long, (laughs) but the years are short. They certainly are. Courtney, of course, (laughs) is a mental health therapist. Courtney Kelly, that is. I'm Brian Mulher, and I have been a longtime patient within that world. And what we try to do every single week is break down some of the the stigmas associated with going on therapy appointments. And this time I think we're going to give some advice that is on the positive side and something that you can use for good whenever you are addressing any problem that might be causing you mental health issues, Mm -hmm. and that would be humor. Using humor. Humor, yeah, to diffuse a lot of really bad situations. And I actually use it all the time with my clients. It's a great way to build rapport with Mm -hmm. them and also to bond with people for relationships, but also in therapy. If you use it in a correct way, it can be really, really helpful in creating that alliance with someone. The other thing, though, I always use it with clients to suggest, like if they have issues with a spouse or a significant other, someone in the family, a friend, I will come at things from a humorous side of things to kind of say, okay, listen, this will break the ice between you and that person if there's some tension, maybe framing it this way. And I find that I often do that in a humorous way to try to help them to bring that into the relationship. can definitely let some air out of that tension balloon mm-hmm. from time to time. But you also have to be careful where and when and how you use it. Right. Because if it is taken the wrong way, believe me, I've been here many, many times. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny, but it's not necessarily taken that way. Or maybe it's not being delivered at a time where somebody thinks that humor should be interjected in a situation. And it really is about reading the room mm-hmm. and how serious the situation is. But if you can drop a well-timed humor hand grenade. (laughs) It's gotten me out of a lot of jams, Courtney. Well, I give you credit because you really are very good at that. That's what you do. I mean, you craft jokes. Your brain is like a ping pong thing. I don't know. You explained it to me one time. It's so confusing. (laughs) How you come up with jokes and how they go. I don't even understand it. How did I explain it? (laughs) From one side of your brain to the other, I just imagine like ping pong balls going on in there. Oh, I was telling you how I craft a joke and what that process is. And maybe this can help people in terms of humor. The person who taught me how to write a joke is a guy by the name of Frank O'Donnell. We are from Rhode Island. He is a Rhode Island Comedy Hall of Famer, longtime comedian. And basically what he said was, think of a topic, and then what you do is, at first when you don't know what you're doing, you write down every word that you can think of that's associated with that topic. So give me a topic, Courtney. Just give me any word at all. Any word. I don't know. Balloon just came into my head. Balloon. Okay. (laughs) So balloon animals is one way that I can go. 
helium is a way that I could go. Right. Hot air is a way that I could go. And you just start writing all of these oh. things down. And then you say, is there any way that I can turn that around and use that as part of a joke about a balloon? And the element of surprise is very important in humor, because if you can come up with an obscure reference that everyone still pretty much gets and use it to surprise them and make them say, ha, I wish I thought of that. That's essentially what a joke right. is. That is actually, yeah. So wow. now that I explain it better to you? Right. I still feel like ping pong balls in my head. Well, yeah, but for me, because for I've you. done it for so yeah. long, it's very rapid fire. It's rapid fire. So I don't need to write it down mm-hmm. longhand. I know the process and I have a very active brain, you which do. as we both know, has been used for evil in the past right. because when something's <laughs> bothering me, yeah. I can't shut it off either. Mm-hmm. But in terms of ways to try to be funny, because that's the other problem. Everybody thinks they're funny. Right. And some people would even say that I'm not funny and that's perfectly fine. I've made quite a living off of it. So that's how I make myself feel better. It is all about taste, but sometimes people think they're funny and they're really being grating and annoying, but they don't know it because nobody ever wants to tell them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you gauge that within your own life. The example that I always give to, even in the comedy world, when you're hanging out with comedians in a green room or in a writer's room for a TV show, the most annoying person is that person who feels like they have to be on all the time. It's that guy who wants to be Robin Williams who's constantly improving and moving mm-hmm. around and picking up props and everything else. Right. And it's just like, dude, we're trying to have lunch. Like, right. I mean, come on. <laughs> so just watch out for little things like that because for as much as you may be well-intentioned when it comes to humor, mm-hmm. it still can bite you in the you-know-what every once in a right. while. Right. And also, the thing is sometimes people can use humor to mask other things. They don't want right. to go into other emotions and so sometimes people are constantly making a joke because they don't want to go a little deeper. And Defense I know, mechanism. Yeah. And I know with my husband sometimes because he keeps things very even keeled and when he's having trouble with something Mm -hmm. he still makes jokes about things and so sometimes I have to tell him listen stop with the jokes (laughs) (laughs) and I know what he's doing and he's for the most part I mean that is what our relationship is built on we crack each other up we love joking around we make songs up we just do silly things and we just laugh all the time however there is a time where sometimes you have to tap into some other emotions and see what's going on as far as how people are feeling and really what they're dealing with and what they're struggling with and sometimes humor can be used although it's awesome. It can be used to really help you bridge a gap and feel more connected with things. But once in a while, you just have to watch that with people who joke all the time. They're using it to escape and not to go into some of those deeper emotions. Well, then there's this because I have sort of a cadence that allows for a certain amount of sarcasm and humor. Mm -hmm. And where I get tripped up is when I'm trying to be serious, sometimes people think I'm being sarcastic. Right. And then I'll have to say, no, no, I actually meant that genuinely. Like they'll laugh at what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm paying you an actual compliment, for example, and they just don't know that I'm doing it. So sometimes I have to watch that. And you mentioned relationships, and I think that's another good road to go down because I find that this becomes a problem. And I can speak to this in my own relationship, which is entering its 15th year. I was very funny to her at the beginning. Then there started to be resentment about my humor because, as I've said before, she said that when I entertain, no matter what I'm doing, podcast, radio, stand-up, roast, writing, everybody else gets the best version of me. And then I come home and I'm miserable because a lot of people who get into comedy are kind of dark and they don't want to do it when they get home. So I understand that. But here's the other problem too because she always says you never try to make me laugh. But after a while, I just think that everyone's act gets a little bit old. And you can say that about any relationship in other directions too. Things get a little bit stale. Mm -hmm. 
She's heard all of my best material. And a perfect example of this was the other night. And I actually had to hit pause on the live television because I said, for as much as you like to give me the business about me not trying to be funny, this is an example of why I don't even bother trying. We're watching America's Got Talent. And there is a magician who is on and he is performing. And he is interacting with the judges. And so he points out Heidi Klum and he says, can we bring Heidi's ex down right now? And he meant the ex that she uses to ex acts to bring that down to lower it. And I said, as soon as he said, can we bring Heidi's ex down? I'm like, what, a seal in the house? And absolutely nothing. (laughs) Literally 10 seconds later, Sofia Vergara makes the exact same joke and she busts out laughing. I'm like, oh, Oh. so when Sofia says it, it's funny. But when I say it, it's not funny. And it kind of does get to the point where I just feel like whenever I try to be funny now, she's almost rolling her eyes. Which is actually the exact same thing that she probably said before to you. Like, oh, when I said it, it wasn't funny. But when Sophia says it, because I know how you pay attention to Sophia very well on well, the show. not audibly. <laughs> but isn't that funny, though? Yeah, I was going to say, Brian, you need new material then for your wife. You need to come up with a... You but need see, I'm constantly coming up with new stuff that was completely on the spot. I improv and she didn't appreciate it. Aww. So I said, Did she I don't feel know if that? you're just not listening. Well, she said, what's her accent to? And I just love her. And I'm like, you're married to me. <laughs> That's funny. I worked on the New England accent because I'm on radio. If I bring that back, will it help? If I'm that guy from Boston, will that help? <laughs> will that help? What do I got to do? Well, at least you had a good joke of it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It actually provided some levity. <laughs> you can use it on the Calling show, each other out and giving each other the business. Yeah. That is kind of a way, too, to huge human relationship. Exactly. Humor is awesome, and I meant to add this in. Great for your immune system, for your cardiovascular health, pain reduction, Brian. Oh, my gosh. I believe all um, of this. Cognitive health, quality of life, and also it boosts your mood. It's a stress reliever. It helps with anxiety, too. It helps you to alleviate some of that anxiety when you can just bust out and have a joke. And even when you had to have a conversation about the joke with your wife, there's so much benefits to that. And also, she sees that you're trying to make the effort. Is, well, think is also. about it this way, too. It's a form of entertainment and what is entertainment at the end of the day? That is a form of escapism. Yeah. Why do you go out to see a funny movie? Why mm-hmm. do you lay down money to see a stand-up comedian? Right. Because you want to forget about all of the crap mm-hmm. that is weighing you down. So if you're dealing with crap between you and a friend, you and a child, mm-hmm. you and your spouse, that's weighing you down. If you can make light of it appropriately right. at the right time, it definitely takes some of the tension out of the situation. Absolutely. And it is true about the appropriateness. Like I know when I am using it in therapy, and by the way, there's a whole thing on using humor in therapy. There are people who get certified as, I forget what you call it. You're just, you're just smirk on your face. Certified, really, in humor. I could just uh, see that look in your eyes, that glassy look where you're like, I don't know what this phrase is, and I don't know how long it's going to take me to figure it out. That's what amuses me. That's humor in our relationship, because when you get in your 50s, we both have a lot of those moments together. But it's an actual certification, so that you can become like a humor therapist type of thing, because it is very healing, and it is very therapeutic. But for me, I know I do stop and pause. Maybe there's a joke, and I don't consider myself to be funny, but like I'll 
come up with like a joke. I don't mean to do it on purpose, but they'll say something and I'll be like, oh my gosh, if I said this, it might break the ice here or it might help with this or whatever, a connection. But I do have to stop and think, is this appropriate to say? Kind of like what I should do on the radio, but sometimes don't. (laughs) Well, your brain goes so fast that once in a blue, it might skip over that step of looking at the bigger picture. Once in a blue, but that's going to happen because you do it so much, but you're usually like so on point. But once in a blue, I'm thinking of one particular incident, (laughs) which we've already talked about before, the proposal. Oh, yes. My fake (laughs) proposal. Yes, fake proposal. That was probably hysterical in your head, but the actual (laughs) way that it played out, we were all like cringy. Well, (laughs) 50% of the audience loved it and 50% hated it. That's actually not a bad percentage. Unfortunately, everyone who hated it was my future wife's parents, family. (laughs) Fake proposal to People weren't invested in us. Oh, they loved it. (laughs) This is hysterical. You know, Courtney, you speak to those therapists who try to use humor in therapy, and I will tell you, I once tried to go to a prop comic therapist. Didn't really work out no, all that no, well. No, too much, yeah. But Carrot I also top. have to ask this question. It's something that we have talked about, and I wonder how you view this as a therapist, because there will be many times that I go in, and just because of who I am and what I do, I feel like I have to entertain the therapist, and mm. I feel like I have to do material, and also as my own defense mechanism, because that's where all of this came from, from all of the blackness and the darkness, right. I make light of some of the things that I have have going on. Is that something where you're thinking to yourself, all right, this is a problem we're going to have to work on because maybe he does this a little bit too much. And how do you approach something like that? And that's the thing. I'll zone in on that and say, okay, so it seems like this is something that you use all the time and you're deflecting me. Mm -hmm. You're trying to like, so that I don't get in there. (laughs) Because you don't want me to get in there and get to the deeper place. And so we work on that and I'll just be straight up with them. The thing is with me, there's a lot of darkness, of course, there's a a lot of sadness is a lot of very deep feelings and we do a lot of serious work in therapy but sometimes we also have fun in therapy like I want people to know it's a connection I'm not sitting there as just like a flat okay mm, mm. you're not just like, a droid no I genuinely connect with people and I think that's why I've had clients for years certain clients and I've had clients who come back to me and find me when I've had to cut down on clients because I've gone to part-time they will find me again they call me still that kind of thing because I want to make that connection with someone And I want it to be like a good experience, even when it's really difficult and heartbreaking, even when they're going through some really hard stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I see the client who is having some trouble getting down to the nuts and bolts of why they're in there and they're using humor, I do acknowledge that they're using humor. And I love that. But I also say, hey, there's also a part where we have to put that aside and really get down to it. To speak to a couple of things that you have just mentioned within the last few minutes here, and that is dealing with tragedy through humor. I can't even begin to tell you when it comes to my comedian friends, when something horrible happens, whether it's in my life, their life, the world at large or whatever, the inappropriate jokes that fly amongst Mm. us are really knee buckling sometimes. And we know that it's an audience that is okay with that. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned my fake wedding proposal that I made to who eventually, (laughs) believe it or not, still became my wife. She did marry him, folks. (laughs) At a very public event. And you mentioned about how quickly my mind works. Having been behind a microphone every day, and especially now in a cancel culture, for 30 years, I have really had to train my brain Mm -hmm. to be very, 
very careful because if you could hear the actual show right. that's going on in here, yeah. holy crap, is it entertaining? Holy crap, will it make a certain amount of people laugh until they drive their car off the road? Mm-hmm. But there is a very large percentage of people who are so very easily offended that it could be career ending yeah. for me. And I say that to say this. You have to train your brain to be able to do the same thing when you're having a dispute with your significant other in terms of trying to find the right Mm -hmm. funny thing to say, trying to find out when you should say it. The one thing that we all know about our significant others because we spend so much time with them, and I can say the same about my work wife over here because we spend so much time with each other. The longer that you're with somebody, you know exactly where their hot buttons are. Right. So never make a joke within, I would say, eight blocks of one of those Mm -hmm. hot buttons. But it does take a lot of work, like anything else does when it comes to therapy, to be able to train yourself to say the right and the appropriate thing. And the other thing is, too, in a relationship, aside from the humor together, you can also have humor about yourself. You Mm -hmm. can admit certain things that will make that concession to the other person so they understand, much like you do, but not to the extent that you do. My self-deprecation, we we talked about that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But doing that can be helpful in any kind of relationship sometimes when there's a strain, when there's some kind of perception going on, when there's some anger going on, to just kind of say, hey, I messed up. Making a joke about that can be really, really good for the other person to come to the table and say, okay, I get it, and I messed up over here too. And it just makes everybody feel more comfortable. Well, even take humor out of the equation. If you are having a disagreement with a significant other, or if there's something that they have done that is driving you crazy, A way to disarm that situation is to say, look, I'm going to admit to you that what you did hurt me in this way, but I'm also going to say this. I remember the time that I did this to you, Mm -hmm. and I remember how you felt about it, and I was wrong then, and I admitted it, and I just want you to know that's affecting me in the same way right now. It's very Mm non-confrontational, and sometimes humor can be viewed as aggressive, and Mm -hmm. especially if it's perceived to be insulting. And like I said, in that instance, take the humor out of it. If I come directly at you, I take no accountability whatsoever. That feels like an attack. Even though you're going for yucks with humor, sometimes it still feels like an attack Mm -hmm. if you're not doing it right. Right. You have to be very careful with that and know who you're talking to. (laughs) Just like you had said, you have a little show playing up in your head, Mm -hmm. but you know for a lot of people, you would not play that show. But when you're around people, maybe some of your friends who are in the business doing comedy, you guys back and forth, boom, 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 boom. So knowing your audience of who you're talking to, if your relationship, your friend, a relative, there's certain ways that you would use humor in different ways with different people. And Courtney, I will honestly say, looking at what happened within the last week to Mike Richards, who now not only lost his Jeopardy hosting gig, but lost being an executive producer for both Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy because of the fact that he was trying to be funny on what Mm -hmm. he probably thought at the time was an obscure podcast. I am a work in progress, and the line is always moving. And every time I see a story like that, I think back to the 30-year-old version of myself and some of the things that I said on an alternative rock station Mm. that was designed to be for 18 to 34 males before even the Janet Jackson thing started. I'm like, anybody could dig up anything on me and my career would be over. Mm -hmm. But 
that is something that evolves. Some of the things that I said were probably thought to be appropriate back then, but it is all about understanding where you are, but also understanding, too, that even though the line might be here today, it might move tomorrow. And I even have to think about that, too, because Mm -hmm. at this point now, there are some people who just hate anyone who succeeds. They resent them. They don't want them to succeed. They are Mm -hmm. jealous, and they'll do anything to take them down. They'll go through Twitter feeds for eight years. They'll screenshot everything just to be able to do that. Unfortunately, that's the world that we live in. And whether you like it or not, you have to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I want to say is this is why I love nothing more in the world of comedy than to roast fellow comedians. Because you walk into that room and everyone in that room knows there are no boundaries. There are no limits. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) If you're easily offended, you shouldn't be here. Speaking of which, I had the the Rhode Island Comedy (laughs) Hall of Fame roast me back in 2017, and I made the mistake of having my entire family, including extended family, at the table right in front of the podium. So as we were all looking down, and a lot of them were, let's just say, a bit older. And I said to my parents, I don't know if this one should be there. I don't know if Uncle this one should be there. And there is nothing more of a comedy killer and nothing that makes you feel worse when you're trying to land a joke in what you think is a safe space and it doesn't work. And take it out of the entertainment arena when you're in a relationship with somebody and you're trying to land that joke (laughs) and they're not having it. Now you've taken a problem that was this big and I have my hands above an inch apart Mm -hmm. and now it's this big and now we're talking three yards. (laughs) Like what do we do? What do we do? Well I guess you'd be coming to couples therapy and uh, (laughs) talking about that and we'll say Where do you hear my material in couples therapy? (laughs) The appropriateness of your jokes, Brian. (laughs) But I did want to mention that with relationships we talk about how important it is for humor like we've been discussing this but I guess they really do say that humor and sexiness tend to be more romantically attractive than wisdom and beauty, Brian. Courtney, I will say that I've seen many, many surveys that ask women what's the number one thing that they're most Mm -hmm. attracted to. And sense of humor is very often near or at the top of the list. And I can speak from experience. This is not me being self-deprecating. This is reality. Physically, I'm not winning any trophies, as I've said in the past. (laughs) But I can't even begin to tell you the women that I've dated where I'm just like, holy crap, if not for my sense of humor, there is no way that I would be with this woman. There have been times where I've been within an inch of being beaten to death and I say that one thing that diffuses the situation that I feel like might have saved my life. Wow. This can be a very valuable tool. Yeah. <laughs> Your brain, Brian. Unbelievable. I don't <laughs> but know again, what's going on it there. can also get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, and again, you can say there, your brain, Brian. <laughs> your brain, Brian. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, you talked about people who weren't funny or they were trying to be funny, that kind of thing. I think one thing to remember, because this guy always jumps into my head, this guy that I worked with in a restaurant years and years ago, he would try to be funny all the time. And it was like, ugh. it It was was exhausting. It It got to that point, like those comedians that are on all the time. Right. And it just felt like that. But I don't know what happened. And we all kind of just felt like, oh, man, what's he going to say now? But 
something happened where it shifted, where it actually became kind of endearing that he would try to make us laugh so much. And I don't know what happened, Brian, but it shifted to where we just started to love him. So like, I think it's important to remember that the person who's trying to make you laugh is doing it because they're trying to make a connection and it's for a good thing. It could be a very endearing thing. There's nothing malicious about it, but David Letterman has an excellent theory comedically about this. And he was my biggest influence as I was coming up when he was on Late Night with David Letterman, this angry guy who hated GE and hated NBC. He used to have this thing where he would do callbacks. He would make a joke that bombed and then he would continue and do some other stuff and then he would refer back to it and maybe somebody would titter. And he said, the key to that is do it like three or four times and then do it another eight. And he said, and I guarantee (laughs) you by then it's going to start getting laughs. There is something about that repetitive Repetitive, nature of something that starts to make it funny, even though originally it wasn't. And I think that's what was going on with that guy. And he grew on us. And then we just started to love him. And I was like, do you remember when we kind of thought it was just annoying, like all the jokes and all that stuff? And it was weird. I don't know. To this day, I'll see him on Facebook and be like, aww. (laughs) I'll give you another example of this comedically. You remember that episode of Seinfeld? Costanza. (laughs) (laughs) Where George just initially, Uh women can't stand him, but then something happens where they're like, I can't get that jingle out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. That (laughs) is so true. So if you're annoying, keep at it. That's Courtney's (laughs) advice. (laughs) And that's why we've been working together now full time for a year and a half. (laughs) Don't let people bring you down. Keep doing what you're doing. I got a week off next week, but after that, nothing's going to stop me. (laughs) Well, Courtney, this has been a lot of fun and funny at times. So I think we can all see the therapeutic benefits to this. Mm -hmm. And if anybody has any questions for you about the therapy end of this, and you know what, I'll even open it up this week. First time in 66 episodes. If you want some advice on the humor front, yes, you can track me down as well. First of all, where do they get you? Wellness at WCTK.com. You can shoot me an email. You can also check out our resources, Wellness Wednesday page, catcountry.com, a weekly segment that we do for mental health, if you want to check that out. And if you would like to contact me at all, Brian at WCTK.com. Use it once and lose it, please. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's going to change it next week. He'll give you a fake one. <laughs> and of course, we're both very reachable on socials at Cat Country Mornings on most platforms. We have individual pages. Courtney with a C, Kelly E-Y, or Courtney Kelly Bedard, and I am Brian Mulhern, Brian with an I, H-E-R-N, on the Mulhern front. Ben DeCastro in next week yep. for episode 67. I will look very much forward to that. And as we record, we have a three-day weekend ahead and a lot of people taking vacation here mm-hmm. as summer winds down. So I hope everybody has enjoyed their summer in this area of nothing but tropical storms and hurricanes <laughs> and rain and intense heat. Hope you got some laughs in there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you don't laugh about the weather around here, you will be crying. But anyway, good luck with Ben next week, Thank Courtney. You. Happy summer to everybody else. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Courtney, will see you next week. <laughs>